he summoned his disciples, and it's a larger group. Remember that. It's a larger group that, that is here. It's a larger group of followers when he talks about his disciples here. Because notice then it says he chose 12 out of this larger group. He chose 12 and named them to be apostles, sent ones, ones who are sent out, ones that he was tapping uh, to carry on his, his ministry. And, and actually, as we'll see in, uh, in a couple of weeks, one that he was, uh, one in particular that he was tapping that he knew would not be carrying on that ministry yet specifically chose him, but that's in, in two weeks. This week we're looking at these other guys. Verse 14, Simon, who we also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, oh, I like it, a sons of thunder, not listed there, but in other places, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So we've worked our way down, really, into the, of the end part of verse 14, uh, where it talks about those last three, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas uh, the son of James. Now, we don't have a lot of material on these guys, a lot of biblical material, so that's why we're going to be able to cover three of them uh, here in this time uh, together today. But I think we can draw some insights from what's in Scripture. I do believe we can draw some insights not only on, from each one of them, but also uh, as we look collectively, you know, at, at again the whole group a little bit and hope to tie them all together and uh, draw some encouragement for our lives. First of all, we're going to be looking at uh, James, the son of Alphaeus there. Uh, Matthew is also a son of Alphaeus. If you remember when we looked at Matthew, Levi, uh, he was listed as a son of Alphaeus. Some think that perhaps Matthew and this James were brothers. There were sets of brothers that were in there, James and John, the other James, not this one. Uh, James and John were, were brothers, uh, you know, referred to again as sons of thunder. What a great nickname. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot better than, you know, than, uh, you know, Pinky or, 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 you know, my little Cupid doll or something. Um, well, but again, some thinks that think that perhaps uh, Matthew and this James are brothers. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'll explain that in a, in a little bit as we move through there. Uh, the only thing the Bible tells us specific, specifically about him uh, in this part here is, is his name. Um, if he ever, if, if this James ever asked Jesus any questions, they, they weren't they were never recorded in scripture you know if he was if he ever did anything to stand out from the group we're we're not told you know we're we're not told any of that it, he seems uh, not to have stood out at all actually he seems to be a pretty ordinary guy you know just a lot like us uh, that's that's what it seems from scripture he even had a common name james there were a lot of people named james uh, you see it throughout scripture now we already looked at John's brother James earlier, the other, the one of the sons of Zebedee. Uh, Paul mentions that um, Jesus had a brother, really a half-brother, named James, a child of Joseph and Mary. That really shocks some people, but um, Scripture is pretty clear on that. In Galatians chapter 1, it says, But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, the Gospels also tell us of a time when uh, Jesus' mothers and, and brothers came to uh, take charge of him, is what some of the translations say, because he was getting a little carried away, uh, they thought, and they came to do it. And then when some of the um, um, Pharisees and scribes and when some of the Jewish leaders were, were complaining, they said, don't we know? We know who this is. And don't we know him? Don't we know his mother? Don't we know his brothers? You know, and, and uh, you know, so there was, is James, uh, Jesus' brother. Now he came to know 
uh, he came to a relationship, a saving relationship with uh, Jesus and came to know him as Savior uh, late. The Gospels give us no indication at all that he came while Jesus was walking the earth. Uh, in fact, we see somewhere maybe he didn't, but he did then step up as a leader in the early church. Uh, he is the one, uh, James, Jesus' brother, is the one who gave the decision of the Jerusalem council that we read about in Acts chapter 15. It says that James stood up and, and told him. And he is also, that James, uh, Jesus' brother, is also the author of the epistle uh, of James in the New Testament, the letter uh, that's in the back. Now, that is not the same James, though, that we read about here as the apostle of Jesus. Now, one of the few things that we know about James the apostle is that he was the son of Alphaeus, it says. And in Mark chapter 15, uh, we see that he is, that um, he, we learn his mother's name was Mary. It says in, in John uh, chapter 15, this is, this is at the cross of Christ as Christ is being crucified. It said there were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph and Salome. Now, Joseph here must have been a well-known follower of Jesus, but not an apostle. Uh, you know, they must have known who, you know, who, who he was because he is mentioned as if the others knew him without any further explanation. Uh, and, and this is why I don't feel that James was, you know, that was the brother of Matthew because this would have been the place to mention it. You know, that, oh, yeah, the brother of, you know, the brother of Matthew, you know, the mother of Matthew as well, you know, and it's not mentioned. Um, you know, there's no connection there. Um, it's quite possible that they both had a father whose name was Alphaeus and, you know, not the same guy. Uh, that's quite possible. But um, here we're told about their mother. The very next verse talks and tells us that his mother was also a devoted follower of Christ. It says there, when he was in Galilee, uh, when Jesus, that is, was in Galilee, they would follow him and help him. Many other women had come up um, with him to Jerusalem. Uh, so Mary was one uh, was part of this larger group, if you will, this larger group of disciples, those who followed, out of which the twelve apostles were chosen. And so, you know, their mother was along in there. She was an eyewitness to the crucifixion, you know, and his entombment. As we just continue to move along in that chapter, verse forty-seven, you know, it says, "Now Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were watching the place where he was placed." So they were there at the cross, at the crucifixion. Now, remember, you know, the disciples—they all took off when he was arrested. Now, John came back because when they, Jesus was hanging on the cross, uh, he, he, you know, he told, he told John, he said, you know, behold your mother, behold your son, uh, turned the care of Mary, you know, his mother, Jesus' mother, over, over to John. Uh, so John had made it back to the cross. And here, you know, these ladies were at the cross and they followed then. After his body was taken down, they followed to see where it was that they, that they were that they were placing his body. And three days later, she was part of the group of women who went to the tomb to more thoroughly prepare his body. Again, it's just the very next verse. It starts a new chapter, uh, you know. But it says, uh, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Now, when they say go and anoint him, you know, we think, well, he was dead. Well, they're talking about the fact that, you know, they were going to more properly prepare his body for burial. They would, I'm going to say slather. 
we just don't think of that picture when we think about Jesus, do we? But in essence, they were going to slather his body in, in these um, uh, spices. Uh, that's what they would do as they, and then they would wrap them, uh, you know, and, and that was how they prepared them for burial. While uh, we're told, you know, as you look through the scriptures, that, that they had done that for Jesus. And it seems, you know, that they had used an adequate amount, but it was probably done rather hastily because they went to get his, they went, you know, they went and asked for his body so that they could take it down. They wanted it down before the Sabbath. So in one sense, they were a little hurried. So these ladies were coming back then, you know, and they wanted to more properly prepare his body for burial. And really, other than these details, we, we don't hear much about James at all. Now, maybe you noticed, as we were reading through in Mark chapter 15, it refers to him as James the Younger. You know, that's how he's referred to there, James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. That's the mother of James. Some of the translations have James the Less. Uh, that's how some of the translations word it. The Greek word uh, translated younger here literally means little, uh, primarily used, you know, somebody of little, of little stature, you know, so it would be little James, uh, you know, uh, that's kind of w- what the picture could be, uh, you know, perhaps James was a smaller man, and again, we're not told, we're just judging by what the names here. now it can also refer to age, which is how the Holman Christian Standard has it, notice James the younger, because that phrase can mean that, perhaps this James was younger then James, the son of Zebedee, you know, that, that could be a possibility. One of the commentators, as I was reading and studying this, uh, said that the word can also refer to influence, meaning that he wasn't a very influential leader. He wasn't the leader of the group. We saw that Peter, you know, Peter's personality kind of lent to being a little more uh, bold, brash, a little more um, uh, um, outspoken. And, you know, Peter had come uh, you know, forward as a leader, and it seems here that James, this James, uh, was content simply to be part of the group, uh, felt no need to be noticed, no need to be in control. Uh, it seems he didn't seek recognition at all. Now, um, even early church history is pretty quiet about James the less, but it was an apostle. You know, be reminded that quiet does not mean ineffective. You know, because somebody is quiet, it, it, it does. You know, it doesn't. Quiet and ineffective don't don't equal each other. You know, that's not what it's talking. You know, that's not what it means. And, you know, and lesser known doesn't mean less important. We have friends who are quiet and carry a pretty big impact. We have friends who are lesser known but have. Um, are pretty important in our lives. You know, and not as noticeable doesn't mean not as worthy. Don't ever think that because somebody is, you know, noticed more than you or somebody is up front, you know, that, that you are less worthy than them because that, that's not what it's, not what's talked about, you know, not what's talked about at, at all, you know, and, um, that was it, uh, you, know, you know. But there's some evidence. There's some evidence that this James took the gospel up to the area of Syria and Persia, um, and there are also accounts of him being killed for his witness for Christ. And just trust me, none of the accounts were pleasant, um, you know, as he had given his life uh, for Christ. Now, the next on the list is Simon the Zealot. 
Um, and again, kind of a, in one sense, maybe a cool name, maybe not. Uh, you know, the lists of the apostles in Matthew and Mark, uh, some of the translations refer to him as a Simon the Cananean. Now, the word Cananean there, it does not mean somebody from the land of Cana. It comes from a Hebrew word, which means to be zealous, <laughs> to be um, you know, passionate. Uh, that's the picture there. It seems Simon was quite possibly most feel that he was a member of a political party known as the Zealots. Um, the fact that he was known as Simon the Zealot even after he was one of Jesus' apostles speaks to his temperament a bit. It speaks to you know his passion that was there, that even through his time with Jesus that he was known this way, You know that this was about him. Now in Jesus' day, the Zealots were a well-known and uh, widely feared, really. They were an outlawed political group. Uh, they were outlawed by the Roman government and uh, really to some of the Jews' um, uh, comfort, <laughs> except for the fact, um, you know, that uh, of some of the ways they behaved. Now Simon apparently, uh, it's assumed, was a, a member of this group. Uh, Josephus, one of the early church historians, uh, describes four parties that were active among the Jews at this time. The first were the Pharisees. We're a little familiar with the Pharisees. Uh, they were particular about the details of the Jewish law. Uh, they were legalistic. The letter of the law was important to them, and Jesus even chided them because they were more interested in the letter of the law and missed the spirit of the law. Uh, that's, that's a picture of the Pharisees there. And then you have a, a group, you know, the Sadducees. And they were uh, religious liberals, really. Uh, they denied the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection, any resurrection, not just Jesus' resurrection. But, you know, you know that's one of the things that you see uh, as you're reading through the, um, through the Gospels. They throw a, a few little jabs at each other uh, about that every time. Sometimes you'll see between the Pharisees and the Sadducees uh, about oh, this whole thing of the supernatural. Uh, the the uh, Sadducees tended to be wealthy. They tended to be powerful. They enjoyed using their wealth and using their power to get their way and, and to push for what, you know, for what uh, they wanted. Uh, they were ones that were in charge of, of the temple. And then there's the Essenes, and they were, they're, not, they're not listed, they're not mentioned in the Bible, um, but they were a group uh, that Josephus and Philo both talk about them and describe them as kind of aesthetics and, and, and celibates who lived out in the desert, devoted themselves to the study of the law. I got a picture of monks you know, in my mind, monkish type of people who withdrew, withdrew from society um, to work on their own spiritual well-being. The problem with that is um, one of the things God has called us to do is to help others grow. Um, just a thought for you, you know, so don't be withdrawing. And then there were the zealots. Uh, what, you know, what, um, uh, this, what, what, this, what this Judas is listed as, um, they were more politically minded than other groups. Uh, they hated Romans, they hated the Romans, and their goal was to overthrow the Roman occupation. This is what they wanted to accomplish. They did that through terrorism and violence. Uh, in fact, you know, they were, they were militant, they were violent, they were considered outlaws. They believed only God had the right to rule over Israel, and so they were, they were, uh, 
very active in coming against anyone else who thought that. And they believed that they were doing God's work by assassinating Roman soldiers, by assassinating political leaders, and even, you know, anyone else who opposed them and sided with the Romans, including other fellow Jews. If they felt other fellow Jews were siding with the Romans, they, they felt it was there, you know, that they were doing God's work by, by killing them. So even the Jews even feared them, lest they be thought that they were they were known to carry curved daggers under their, you know, well, we would say cloaks, but you know it's what they wore under their robes, and um, you know they would they would stab people in the back. I mean that's how it worked, um, and, and they it says in some of the accounts that they were very well trained, where they would know and they could place it, you know, between ribs, come in give it a twist and actually stab the heart. Uh, and this is what these guys were, this is some of the things that, that they were known for and that they were known for doing. You know, anyone who they perceived as enemies, they felt justified in right in killing them. Now think about this. So among Jesus' hand-picked 12 apostles was here Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Matthew Levi who had who had sided with with the Roman government and had collected taxes for them and had that was his job his livelihood his responsibility and then you also have Simon the Zealot who would have loved to have gotten a hold of him before Jesus did you know, and you have these extremes here among this group you know among this group that followed Jesus the zealots were hoping, you know, for a Messiah who would lead them in overthrowing the Romans and restore the kingdom to Israel. This is what they were looking for. What we need to remember as we think about some of these folks is the end does not justify the means. You know, sometimes we, we live like it does, but unholy means will bring you an unholy end. You can rob a gas station to pay your bills, and your bills will get paid, which is a good thing. But you did it by unholy means. You can lie and steal, you know, to accomplish it. God is concerned about, I was going to say he's concerned about the means. Here's why. Because they flow from what's within. The means simply reveal what's within. So when we have these unholy, when we have these unholy means, what we're showing is the unholiness within us. You know, there's some, some places in the Bible accurately account for some of the sins of God's people. You know, some of the sins of God's people are laid right out there. Think about it. Noah got drunk to deal with his tension. Uh, you know, Abraham lied repeatedly to save his own skin. Uh, Joseph, Joseph's brothers lied to their father about Joseph to save, you know, so they could save their own position with their father. Judas slept with his daughter-in-law because he was stupid. Uh, you know, David, David committed adultery and murder, you know, to pursue his passions. Uh, Solomon's kids were a mess. 
They were a mess. The kingdom split under, under his kids. They were a mess because Solomon was so involved, a wise man, but he's so involved, you know, in, in not only the running of the kingdom, but read it, chasing other women as well. His kids were a mess. Jonah deliberately, deliberately went in the opposite direction of what God called him to. He called him to go to Tarshish. He called him to, not Tarshish. He called him to go to Nineveh. He loaded, he jumped on a ship for Tarshish, which was the opposite direction you know, and he, he very specifically and, and purposefully knew and, and left and went the other way and, and why when you read the end of Jonah he said I knew you were going to forgive these people because you're a merciful God Peter rebuked Jesus because he thought because he thought that Jesus was saying things that that Peter didn't agree with and he was saying things that that Peter didn't agree with so he rebuked him don't follow their example in these things don't follow their example you know, in these things. The end does not justify the means. It is not always easier to do the right thing. Sometimes it takes more work to do the right thing. But it is always best to do the right thing. One of the nice things about that is you don't have to go back and undo what you already messed up. You see, you know, telling the truth is the, is really the easiest thing. And sometimes we think, you know, well, I could I could tell a lie because then I, you know, you're going to think better of me. But then I have to remember that lie. You see, if I tell you the truth, I don't have to worry about remembering it. Why? Because it's the truth. All I have to do is keep telling you the truth. You know, we sometimes we sometimes think that uh, you know doing our own thing is 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 going to be better. And you know, we think sometimes it's easier, and, and you know, it, it's not. It's better to do the right thing. Well, sources say that Simon took the gospel north as far as the British Isles, which I found kind of interesting. Uh, there's several accounts that, uh, again, about him being killed for sharing uh, the message of salvation in Christ. None of these guys died pleasantly, okay? Just let's go with that. None of them died ple- The third one is Judas, Judas, the son of James, uh, one of two men named Judas who were apostles, just as there were two James, there were two Judases. Interesting, uh, the name Judas means praised. I found that, uh, you know, to be very interesting. Uh, the Apostle John refers to him as uh, Judas, not Iscariot. You know, so you wouldn't be confused. Uh, that's how John refers to him in his gospel. Um, in the King James Version, in Matthew, it also refers to him as uh, Labius, whose surname is Thaddeus, both Labius and, and Thaddeus. Uh, they mean heart child or, or child of the breast. It's uh, speaking of uh, the picture of that warm, uh, tender relationship. One of the uh, books I was reading about about the apostles uh, said maybe he was a mama's boy. I thought, well, might be nothing wrong with that. But, you know, maybe he was the youngest in his family, and, you know, we're just not told. Maybe he was the youngest apostle. All of these things are just are just guesses by, you know, what, what his name is. Um, there is a record of a question that he asked Jesus, though. It's in John chapter 14, uh, shortly before Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. Uh, Jesus already told them that he was going to be going. We looked at the first part of this chapter last week. You know, Jesus said, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? 
And Jesus answered that question. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. We looked at that last week as we were looking at Thomas and the way that he, that he interacted and he, asking that very sincere question, you know, that very sincere question, Lord, you know, we want to be with you. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? I want to be there. I want to be there. You know, is, is what he's saying and what's going on. And, and, you know, this is just a continuation of that time with Jesus in John chapter 14, uh, down in verse 19. You know, it says, in a little while, the world will see me no longer. Jesus speaking to them, uh, continuing to speak to them, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. What a, what, what a, man. Circle that in your Bible, not the Pew Bible, but, you know, if it's your Bible, what, you know, what a great, because I live, you will live. Here's, there's part of the importance of the resurrection for you, but that's not what this sermon is about. Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Uh, the one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I will also love him, and will reveal myself to him. And Judas, not Iscariot, see, that's how John identifies him. I said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Again, what, what's going on here is just a very, another very honest question from a, an apostle looking to better understand what Jesus told him. Just as Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And here, you know, and here Judas, you know, not Iscariot, Judas comes up, uh, you know, he's, he's, probably, he's probably still thinking, Remember who he was, you know, and, and some of the groups that's, that's there. And these are guys that are thinking that Jesus is going to, you know, just like the zealots would, but maybe not with the same passion. They thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Roman government and he was going to lead them and lead. lead. And what he was, I think, probably wrestling with here is how in the world, you know, how in the world are you going to lead them in, you know, in, in overthrowing, you know, how can this happen and the world not realize it? How is it that you can that you can step up overthrowing that Roman occupation and the world not realize it? I don't think he's questioning Jesus' authority here. I don't think he's I don't think he's trying to tell Jesus he was mistaken. He's not trying to tell Jesus what to do. Those things would be wrong. When you pray those ways, you're wrong. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, man, I, I just shudder sometimes when I hear, when I, when I hear people, you know, say, or are on the news or something, um, uh, you know, why did God do that? Why did you allow this to happen, God? Oh my. Um, we, we, we don't question his authority. We shouldn't question his authority. We shouldn't, we shouldn't tell him he was mistaken. You did this wrong. Now we might say, we'd never say it that way, but in some of our prayers, we do. And, uh, you know, try to tell Jesus what to do. Uh, do it, do it my way. You know, here's, um, um, we're in, in dangerous territory there. Uh, Jesus gives him an answer though. It says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. And we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Back up to, you know, what he said to Thomas, you know, and he said, I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, where I am, there, they wanted to be with him. 
Thomas said, how can we be with you? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Judas, not Iscariot, says, you know, how, how is it that how is it that we're going to we're going to see you, you know, and, and the rest of the world's not going to see you? I don't get it because, you know, you're supposed to be the ruler. You're supposed to be the you're going to be the one leading us out of here. You're going to be the one that's taking over for the Romans. How is it that they're not going to see you? And Jesus says, you know, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. The father will love him. We'll come to him. We'll make our home with him. He takes their eyes off the world. He takes their eyes off the world and he puts it once again on his presence with them. The fact that he will be with them. Those who Jesus will be revealed to, it tells us here, are those who love him and keep his word. A commitment in action. A commitment in action. It's a commitment that works itself out in my life. That, Lord, you know, I have a commitment to you and it is working itself out in my life. This is what he says, that those people who are transformed in that way, not sitting back, not waiting, but actively pursuing God. There it is again. We need to continue to pursue God. We mentioned that last week. We need to continue to pursue God. You know, even even when we don't understand everything... And even as with the apostles, even when we thought things would go differently. Even when we thought things would go differently. Realizing and recognizing that he is God, we are not. He has the answers, we do not. We thought things may have Probably we could even say we thought things should have gone differently. Here's the difference. You know, don't stop there. You know, boy, I thought things should have gone differently. But you know what, Lord, you know more. You know better. Your will be done, not mine. I'd hate to think of how my will would have messed up so many other people, including me. Including me. And how many other people would have gone to hell if my will was done and if things were done my way? We need to continue to pursue God. It's believed that Judas, the son of James, Judas, not Iscariot, that he took the gospel north into the region that is Turkey today. And while he was ministering there, some say that he was... uh, Many reports say he was beaten to death with clubs um, and gave his life that way. I want to go back to the verse we started with this morning from uh, Luke chapter 6. During those days, he went out into the mountain to pray. Jesus went out, you know, he went out, you know, to pray. And he spent the night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them. And he also named those apostles. We have seen that each one of these guys really were regular guys. They were ordinary people. They had problems. They had issues. 
They had personalities. They had, they had some quirks about them. You know, but these men then left their jobs to follow Jesus and to learn from him. Peter spoke for all of them uh, when he said, you know, we've left everything. We've left all we've had to follow you. All of them except for the other Judas, Judas Iscariot. And again, we'll cover him in a couple weeks. All of them but that Judas gave up their past permanently. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. He was now the most important aspect of their life, the most important aspect of their living. The church exists today. We are here today because these men were faithful. Because these ordinary, regular guys, guys who were just like us because they were faithful. We think of them as special, and we hold them in high esteem. You know, and, and you know, that's not how they were seen as they walked this earth. When they walked this earth, in Acts chapter 4, it says when they, these are the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, when they were hauled before the Sanhedrin, you know, to ask to answer for themselves, it says when they observed the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognize that they had been with Jesus. They were seen, did you notice, as uneducated and untrained men. Hang that on your wall instead of your diploma, instead of your degrees. What do we do? We hang up those degrees. When I'm in my doctor's office, I look to see where he went to school. And that he did, that he did go to school. You know, it just things seemed like a good idea to me, you know. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, these guys, not much of a claim to fame there. They were seen as ordinary. They were seen as nothing special. Now, what made the difference is right there. They had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Their time with Jesus had made a noticeable difference in their lives the time they had spent with them, with jesus made a very noticeable difference in their life and these guys could see that they had been with jesus all of the you know all of the these disciples you know they really kind of disappear from the biblical record shortly after pentecost we don't see too much of them anymore you know we, we, don't, we don't see a lot of them in the scripture after that what made these guys important is the Christ Jesus whom they served and the message about him that they shared with others. And for us, we should let people see that Jesus had made, has made a difference in our life. That Jesus has made a difference in our living. Like the apostles, we all have different personalities. We all have different talents. We all have different temperaments. We all have different likes and dislikes. We all are motivated differently. You know, but we can all let people see that Jesus has made a difference in our lives. That they will look at us and they will see the difference that Christ can make. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the difference you have made and are making in my life. And I'm ashamed of some of the times in which I've pushed that aside. 
and acted sometimes, people would probably look at me and say, he's a preacher. He knows Jesus. You got to be kidding me. I don't want that to be the response. What I want it to be is that people will be able to see you through me. That they will be drawn to you. Not that they're impressed with me, but that they're impressed with you, Lord. That they are impressed with what a great God we have the honor, we have the privilege, we have the responsibility to reflect to others. Thank you for those who have reflected your life to me. Thank you for those who have invested in me in a way that let me see what a difference Christ can make. Lord, it's so important as we are transformed by you. That means it shows. Continue that process. Help us to get out of the way that they might indeed see Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.